That's a that's a topic of conversation. So hello world, uh, I'm Shah, last name Golansky, and it's beautiful to be here right now. Thank you, Shah. In Tacoma Park. Is Shah your real name? Shah's my chosen name. Okay, I and like it's that. a simplified version of my given name, which is Sean. All right. Yeah. So, Shah, you have a lot of experience in the community, um, here in D.C. and with a lot of events with art, music. Could you talk about getting into the music and art scene in D.C. in particular and some of the things that you've been involved with in the past few years? Yes, let's. So I am from D.C. I grew up born in the city and grew up out in the suburbs and definitely grew up with an appreciation for performing arts. I got that from my family and grew up doing in the theater high school theater community and after high school i briefly was in the military i uh, was training to become a medic but after i left the military i decided i'm back in dc and dc is a really dynamic interesting complex beautiful place with a lot going on uh, politically uh, artistically uh, and so i wanted to get in it i wanted to see what i could do uh, here in this community uh, on a local level as an artist in DC and so it was it's really been a journey over this past decade throughout my 20s and I'm 29 turning 30 in September and yeah it's been a powerful journey and it started off with me going straight back to theater focusing on film and I've done all sorts of like random like day work on like tv shows and uh like for instance on like house of cards i worked quite a bit on that um game change like a lot of like the random like hbo netflix like political dramas that were filmed around here i was like i'm like random person to the right or like random security guard or uh but then also through that i really fell in love with theater and really got involved with the professional theater scene here in dc and worked on all sorts of productions with different companies, uh, Studio Theater, Imagination Stage, Spooky Action Theater, which is a personal favorite. And it's been a really cool journey, exploring myself uh, as a movement artist uh, through different movement practices with different organizations, like parkour organizations here in DC, uh, really opened me up as a, as a physical mover and really made me 
curious about how I can move through space and really opened me up as a performer too. And I became more of like a physical performer. And so I got into like, like I went from like real serious, like realistic acting to being obsessed with like totally non-realistic, like clowning. Uh, I studied comedy and clowning. I studied like physical abstract theater with theater companies like Shakespeare theater and also synthetic. And so it's been kind of pieced together my, my theater education. And it played out in some interesting ways. Like I did some really cool work with the Washington National Opera, being a stuntman, um, like flying through the opera stage, like fighting, like on, like up in the air. And like I was kind of like a go-to stuntman for a while for like several productions uh, in the opera. Did you ever get to go up on those suspension yeah. lines? And yeah, fly and like fly through the air. Yeah, super fun. Like <laughs> uh, how did? What inspired you to start acting like before, like first? What was what was that first spark for you? Definitely started with family. My mother and my uncle John, in particular, were you know huge musical theater lovers, and they definitely gave that love of performing to me, and like as you know, an eight-year-old kid, I was, like, raised on these, like, classic musicals from, like, 40 years prior. <laughs> um, so I was, I was, I was given an appreciation. What's up? Sound of Music. Yeah, oh, uh, The Hills Are Alive with yes. The Sound of Music. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the classical, like, musicals you can imagine. And I, I grew up with an appreciation of that and also, like, classical music. And so it kind of, like, laid the frame, the, the framework, I feel, for me to just kind of be a person that I am now where I'm always interested in what else and like who else and what else we can create and just having a very kind of like open-minded uh, attitude when it comes into welcoming people and just seeing what, what flows, like what comes next. It's a very uh, intimate kind of thing, interacting with people and you do uh, really awesome workshops, one in particular called mindful monkey movement i do and uh we were there two <laughs> weeks ago at catharsis <laughs> that was a lot of fun i was there yeah I, I would love to hear like your candid experiences from the people yeah I who, mean, who were there yeah like what was it like for you it's fun and i have i have only positive memories of mindful monkey because it's goofy and you incorporate <laughs> a lot of different stuff the essential oils at the end like yeah. it's a little bit of yoga it's a little bit of improv it's like a little bit of dance and just being goofy like literally crawling around yeah on all fours and uh, pretending to be different things there's a lot of theater involved which is which is cool it's unlike anything i've done before um, but you really get to kind of facilitate people's experiences and like interact with them it's very intimate of, of, a, of an experience so i can see how you would get a joy out of like seeing and feeling that reciprocated energy from the oh people, yeah it's it, the energy that you're giving out it lights me up it, like it makes me so happy yeah and i yeah. think that's i'm i was in two plays as a very uh, no no speaking roles but uh i was a tree and a and an evil monkey there were no small parts <laughs> what were you i was a tree <laughs> and a monkey in the wizard of oz and uh and and but anyway like uh i, I i'm really intrigued by by acting because mm -hmm. acting is temporarily being something that you might not be normally and 
creating this idea or kind of like an illusion. It's almost magic. You see these people Absolutely. on TV and you're sp- I'm personally captivated how it's so real. Mm. And and so I'm I'm curious how does how do you feel when you're presenting that kind of performance where like you are being someone extra or someone who you might not normally be for the experience of the people. What what's going on in your head? Well, when approaching any kind of role, I think in any context, there's so many different ways like a performer can approach it. It just speaks to their background and what kind of wonderful, crazy human they are. But I really like to focus on kind of like outward in, like how does first like start on like more surface level things, like how does this being look and walk and move? And and if you move a certain way, that might like affect how you speak and... Um, and from more than, and once I kind of like, you know, decide this is more or less the body and the, the thing, and then I kind of like live in that thing that I've created, and then I feel then I commit to the reality of whatever that is. And it's complete made up nonsense in my head, but at the same time, it's about like believing that nonsense and like letting that nonsense be your reality. Um, I love the old quote, like, good acting is uh, living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And I've definitely applied that mindset and things I've learned from acting. And I've, I've branched out. I definitely have like interest ADD and I've been a performer in every sort of imaginable way. And that's not to say it's because I'm amazingly talented. It's more because I'm amazingly willing. <laughs> um, Even though you are amazingly talented. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and so it's branched out to like avant-garde, like body painting, modeling. I've actually done some really cool, weird, uh, projects. Of, What's the weirdest? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a cool, weird project. I'm going to shout him out. His name's Anthony Dorch. Uh, it's this weird project called Pure. And I did it for a, a while. And it, it involved like body painting me from head to toe and taking photographs and then creating a comic book and a storyline based around these photographs, inspired by these photographs. And it became, it's a, it's a whole thing. Like they go to comic cons and I've, I used to go to the Comic Cons, get all painted from head to toe, and you know, get hit on by George Takai, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> what do you wish you knew before starting acting? Oh. I mean, uh, myself as an actor has always meant lots of different things for me. Um, like as a kid, it was a dream. And then I realized it was more of like a state of being. And then I got older and it was something I wanted to make a, a vocation for a while. And this is, I would only, for, I went through a period of my life where I was only receiving money from performing. And then because of that, I just became a very diverse performer. Um, but in some ways I feel like maybe I've spread myself a little thin. Um, so I definitely in recent years have kind of focused more on uh, fire performing. Absolutely. And it's actually one of, the main contacts how I got involved with Meta initially is uh, I met this wonderful human, Dylan, at a mutual friend Chelsea's apartment one night, and we just connected. And you know, on that night, you actually was a real significant person who really was telling me, "Yeah, you should go to Guatemala." And you know, anyone who listens to me for probably ten minutes, I probably will bring up Guatemala because <laughs> it's a beautiful fucking place, and everyone should go. Um, and As I wear my pants from Guatemala. He's wearing pants from Guatemala right now. And uh, yeah, Mary's wearing a <laughs> necklace from Guatemala. 
yeah go to central america fam it's beautiful you know, everyone go interesting let's like, go together period of time when we just met you know i feel like a lot was converging yeah Trump just entered the White House. and Was that around that time? Well, it might have been just... Oh, no, it was around that time, I, yeah. I had uh, yeah, catered for Ivanka Trump and, and met Shaw. It was very, like, you know, high energy a couple of days, it felt like. And only met Chelsea, I think, a week before. Oh, I didn't know that. That's and, fun. You know, I actually ended up meeting Chelsea and Adam in this at the same on the same day. And then you, not just a week later. So I think really meta and, you know, our involvement in catharsis definitely is you know we have to thank that synchronistic meeting of chelsea and adam on the climate march day and you shortly after uh you know a lot of love to all three of you guys and you know, it's been it's amazing like, since then like an aligning of like interest and like members in the community like just coming together yeah absolutely. and inspiring each other and we connected that night and uh, i think i played with fire a little bit that night if i remember correctly it's possible and you invited me to the Meta uh, House opening party of the Fern about two years ago. Wow. And I came and I uh, played with fire, and it was a beautiful start to our relationship. And then you disappeared oh. to Guatemala for, you know. I did go to Guatemala for so, like yeah. six months. But he felt very it's beautiful. Much, you know, <laughs> still next to us. Yeah, like I remember yeah. we, uh, Davis and I had a couple FaceTime calls with you. Like while you were in Guatemala, while we were preparing for being in the backyard, and you had uh, communicated your interest early on and in, in wanting to be involved and uh, co-producing the festival with us, and we've definitely, you know, s- seen that value that you brought, and and have been really really excited, you know, to collaborate you wherever you are in the world, uh, and we know you'll go on to do great things wherever you are. What are some of the uh, like other curiosities that you have? Uh, other than than fire at the moment and performing, sure. Yeah, it's so interesting. It can be so easy to throw a bunch of like a few labels on somebody, and say like this person is this thing and this thing and this thing, but then you get to know that person, you realize they're this thing and that thing and the other thing too. And um, I think it just speaks to the complexity of just humans and how divergent our experience can be. So some current focuses that I have right now, I'm just focused on the food right now. I work for two plant-based companies, plant-based organic companies, uh, which to me is personally really important. Uh, I'm not going to say every single thing that I put in my my mouth is organic, but to the best of my ability, most things are. And especially if I'm going to work day in and day out and sweat and work pretty damn hard. And uh, a pretty uh, unforgiving food service industry here in D.C. It's got to be for something that is more aligned with me. And for me, that is plants. For me, that is organic. Because in this day and age here in the States, like, it is really helpful um, to eat organic produce. Because chances are there's far less pesticides on the organic food than there is the non-organic food. And chances are the labor standards were better in those fields where those where that's the, the food was produced and you know the hands of the families uh, that picked up that picked up the food that grew the food for you so you can have this delicious tropical food in your grocery store in Connecticut <laughs> like yeah uh, another thing when I was down in Guatemala that I was really inspired by was the people's connection with the land uh, the locals how they had this amazing tenacity and vibrancy about them 
60, 70, 80 year old humans carrying ginormous amounts of weight balanced on their head. Like I remember I was sitting at the little comida, the little shack where I got my like vegetarian like meal every day, just a delicious plate full of like beans and rice and uh, funky like squash and like avocado and uh, like blue corn tortillas uh, for I think it was like 10Q, which is the equivalent of like a dollar fifty USD and I could like eat as many blue corn tortillas as I wished. And I would go there. That was like my big meal. I would just do there every day. That's how I lived there for so long. I ate just like one big meal every day. Uh, it was dope. For like, yeah, for like $2. It was dope. Um, and it was good locally made food. Uh, made by like grandmothers. And I remember, and all like the families and the the family, like the, the locals live on very little money down there. And in many cases, like extreme poverty is an everyday reality. So they have to like get food where they can. So oftentimes locals will go to like these little roadside like comidas and little stands and get their food and just live with what they can, what they have, you know, from the land. And I, there was this one woman who I thought she wanted me to carry this huge bushel of bananas. No, she just wanted me to put it on her head. That's all she wanted me to do. And she takes this huge ass bushel of bananas and she like walks down a hill with like perfect balance, like walking down a hill with this heavy ass crate of bananas, at least like 60 pounds, 70 pounds on her head. Um, other like old men like having huge boards like easily like 15 12 feet long at like at least going up mountains literally mountains with these things strapped there to their heads like like the the Mayan head wrap of like uh, wrapping something around your head and then like having a strap on like around your back to like hold the thing but you're really like it's all about like this like keeping your head forward and like having wow. all the weight here and so witness like this strength and tenacity of like these people there was so humbling. And I thought that was going to be the story you told me about the coconuts. Uh, I got lots of stories. That's <laughs> Can you share that one really quick? You want the coconut story? Okay. That's hilarious. He wants the coconut. Oh, okay, fine. Coconut story. People always want the stories that are no, embarrassing. Uh, All right, here we go. Let me take a sip of water. Coconut story. <laughs> So when I landed on the lake in this cool village called San Marcos on Lake Atilan and Guatemala, I went there for many reasons, but I definitely one of the reasons was to connect with my friend Reese, who was is an awesome plant-based chef. And she was working at this spot called the Love Bistro, which is this cool little bohemian meets fine dining uh, bistro right on the lake. I mean, beautiful view. It's gorgeous. Highly recommend it if you're ever down on San Marcos in Guatemala, on Lake Atilan. And uh, yeah, literally the first night I met her there, she was working there. She's like, hey, do you want to work here? Literally the first night I was there. You want to work here making vegan food with me and like integrating plant-based food into this <laughs> menu on this beautiful spot and like throw parties here with amazing like international DJs like DJ Moe's played at one of our parties and have coordinate fire spinning. And it was a really cool little incubator of a moment where I was like, here's a space, here's different ways you can plug in to this space and this community in this time. And I feel like in many regards, like my five months down there in the lake was just like a wonderful time of revitalization, a wonderful time of like self-cultivation. You know, I, I sat with myself alone, but a, a lot. And I also like connected with beautiful humans from all around the world a lot and like 
developed uh, Mindful Monkey movement down there mainly, and like taught it at this uh, hostel, Hostel del Lago on the lake. I mean, man, like I've been to the same exact place you're talking about. Yeah, you've been there, man. So special. Tell people about it. Like I, I think, yeah, everything you're mentioning is very similar to my experience in that same town of San San Marcos. I ended up uh, wandering into. I think it must have been my first international festival uh, where I wandered in by myself, my backpack, and didn't have much camping gear except for a hammock. And uh, <laughs> Oh, do you remember the name of the festival? Oh, I have to look it up again. Um, it wasn't it Cosmic was, Convergence it, by no, chance? No, it was a much smaller, um, only about two, 300 people. Okay. but what, more what family happened? vibes. And I ended up getting really cold, actually, at night. Uh, didn't have a sleeping bag, so ended up spending the whole entire night like around a fire circle with a bunch of wonderful expats and the definition of an expat is someone living outside of their country so i would say a lot of expats end up finding themselves in guatemala just because they find the quality of life is quite high and it's a very special place to and i remember having just amazing moments with locals and travelers all around just looking up at the volcanoes and feeling yourself within the caldera is, is that what it's called the caldera is the area you know in between the volcanoes because it's surrounded by four or five volcanoes um, so there's a really amazing volcano walk and hike also that is really at the top of my i think bucket list if i were to share a bucket list with people is this one volcano where'd you go uh it's a volcano called Acatenango, right next to, yeah. to Fuego. And yeah. I had the opportunity to hike it with a, a meta banner, actually. And <laughs> brought a meta ban- banner all the way to the top and take photos with it yeah. and at the top. And, and Fuego is super active. Oh, yeah, uh, Fuego that. went off while I was down there. I actually saw exactly. it. I was like, I think something like maybe like 50 kilometers aw- kilometers away. Yeah. So like not that far away, but like just far away to just kind of be on the periphery of it and just to see the explosion, but like far away. Absolutely. From like miles away. Um, cuz like Fuego was just like peeping like over the mountains. You could see it just just out from the distance. And to see it like sputtering off and to like know that like people people died. And to be just on the periphery of that while I was down there it was a super humbling moment. Super like <laughs> be grateful be alive bro moment for sure yeah like when you fall asleep looking at lava erupting like yeah. outside of your tent like it is a moment that you know really like humbles you and allows you to see the magic of the area i remember walking down and uh, actually noticing how much toilet paper was at the top of the volcano littered with toilet paper from tourists um that, that was a, a hard moment uh, be, being at the top and um, just, you know, comparing it to New Zealand where there's very little trash around, I think a lot of it, it, it you know, definitely have to do with tourism and, and uh, yeah. how the trip runners actually talk to their tourists. They, they don't actually encourage them to pack out a lot of their stuff. So I think it it's kind of within the local uh, mentality that they need to feed themselves before they kind of take care of the earth. So it's it's definitely need there's a lot of work to be done in terms of making sure people do have food on their tables before and that's their main concern not necessarily cleaning up the city so it's it's very interesting there's mindset shift there that hopefully is changing 
What do you think about that, Sean? What happened to the coconuts? Guatemala and Central America in general is a beautiful, mystical, and infinitely complex place. And there had been for heaven knows how long a whole civilization of from what we understand beautifully complex advanced civilizations like the Maya that were there doing their thing and with European influence things changed and in many regards not for the better for the Maya and the Maya are still there but they have been changed by the effects of colonialization and world industrialization and I feel the same issues that they're facing with sanitation, um, homelessness, like all these like real world issues are very much like heightened and I think exacerbated by the wounds of their history. Because uh, not that long ago in, in Guatemala there was a civil war, uh, so it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I mean, there's some real real problems down there, but it's also this beautiful mystical gorgeous lush land with such a beautiful uh history of hard-working caring gracious people um, who are so connected to the land and that connection to the land that i felt there from the local indigenous maya we're all different tribes and who say different words that sound similar but slightly different like uh, matiosh around the lake and I believe language was Kachikel, means thank you, but Bantiosh up to the north also means thank you. Um, so it's these little things um, that are reminders that we're all just slightly different versions of the same thing. Um, it was beautiful. Okay, coconut story? Well, I was just going to ask you also, because you're talking about being connected to the land, you were doing some farming of your own down there, weren't you? A little bit, yes, a little bit. Was it um, the first time you had a garden? That was the first time that I had a garden that I could really be with nice. for an extended period of time, for a full growing season. Now, I am not going to paint this false picture. I was not <laughs> Mr. Green Thumb. I had a few kale plants and a few other plants of other varieties, including one cannabis plant um, that I, I lived with. But it was more of like this experience that I had with them, and I did enjoy a really beautiful relationship with these few plants up on the mountain. I happened into this really cool situation where a friend of mine, this mystical human named Kairu, uh, wanted someone to stay in his mountaintop home and take care of his mystical dog Inca for the summer. And I felt like it was a it was a it was an okay thing to do. If it felt aligned that I could have a space on top of a mountain with this gorgeous view and really just be with myself, be with beautiful, mystical, crazy Inca dog and have adventures and do a lot of really necessary, necessary processing. You know, I definitely have had wild uh, 10 years of, of 20s here in, in and around D.C. and had a lot of karma, still do, that I'm coming to face with and coming to terms with. And so I feel like going on a pilgrimage to kind of figure yourself who are you outside of this role that you've created for yourself and sometimes it is actually really helpful 
to go somewhere else and see who you are elsewhere and then to circle back to where you were and hopefully have some experience have some lessons some things that you can take to those to, to the now mm. to this moment mm. and that's like where i'm at like all these experiences i've had i really do feel as corny as it sounds that are preparing me for this now this season the spring uh with meta we have events coming up we have an event at creative labs this friday where all the beauty that we as an organization will be there for you to enjoy in terms of good quality food good music beautiful humans like coming together with an attitude of like yes let's do this together let's create this let's make this happen together a beautiful con space of connection where that's all we, I think at the end of the day it's all we really want as humans just to feel like included in some shame some shape or form that we have some kind of tribe some sense of inclusion and yeah and I'm just looking forward to like continuing to create that with Meta we're excited too and I'm really excited about this coconut story that you're about to tell. Okay, coconuts. <laughs> let's do it. All right, it's a fun segue. Okay, so back down to the lake. <laughs> this podcast is all about Guatemala. <laughs> I just cool. want to hear this I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Oh, it's a beautiful place. So I'm at the Love Bistro and with my dear friend Reese, and we're making all sorts of funky, delicious plant-based food, like like plant-based lasagna with these like funky, like fermented, like macadamia nut cheeses like all all vegan we were making like these like dope like curry bowls like customizable we were and then we also got in the habits of making a lot of stuff from coconuts the cocos down there are amazing like they only cost like 5q which is like less than a dollar usd for a whole effing coconut slice that thing open with a machete have you ever sliced open a coconut with a machete it is exhilarating i highly recommend it definitely practice first you know it's powerful energy the coconut <laughs> <laughs> but so we were doing all sorts of things with coconut i love we made this awesome coconut bacon where you know it's very time very time consuming to hike open a coconut scoop out its meat very meticulously like scrape off like soak in the water and like pick off the uh the hard bits of the bark off the meat and then let it soak in like water for a little while and then take that out shake it off throw it on a frying pan with coconut oil put some maybe some cayenne maybe some paprika maybe a little bit of salt and fry up that mother delicious <laughs> coconut energy and you get something that tastes a lot like bacon and it's fucking delicious and so i was making a lot of coconut bacon like we had these brunches called like the pirate fairy brunches at the love bistro because she really identified with uh fairy energy and i am a plant-based pirate yar and so we had these like cool like like bohemian, like gypsy jazz type events. Um, gypsy jazz referring to the style of music, not the uh, slur. So just get that out of the way. Uh, yeah, it was a good time on the lake. And it was a really cool like space for all these different things. So we used a lot of coconuts. One morning, my friend Reese says, what she said was, shot. please go find the cocoa man and tell him to bring cocos here. I didn't hear that. What I heard was, <laughs> go get Cocos. <laughs> I really wish I 
I mean, it's clearly a misunderstanding I needed to make. So I had an important life learning lesson. So I go through town. I find a Cocoa Man. Turns out it wasn't the Cocoa Man. <laughs> and from this Cocoa Man, this alternative Cocoa Man, I get these huge Cocos. I buy like... 15 coconuts. And this is in a different language, correct? In a different language. You're speaking in uh, your second I'm tongue. I'm trying to speak in Spanish. Like, Are you fluent? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. And at the time, um, I'm sure you're less so. Pero yo quieres aprender español. But I want to learn Spanish. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's more than I know. So, <laughs> yeah, Just learn certain phrases. Uh, super humbling to be in another country not speaking the language. Definitely. I recommend it for everyone. I second that. Yes, everyone needs to feel that way at some point in their life. So I get these 15 cocos. It's exhausting. Two sacks. I'm like struggling. I'm like, 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 it's so pathetic. I'm just like going down the path. And like, it's, oh, keep in mind, I'm like in a touristy area of a vacation zone in Guatemala. So to see is the shops everywhere. I'm on the main path. I'm on the main path of San Marcos. And so to see a foreigner like laboring so hard is totally unseen and unheard of and got the attention of like all the merchants and like everything. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And then some of the merchants would like started coming out and like asking me for like cocos because the way like a lot of like the merchants, like some of them don't have shops and they'll literally just like set up like on the, on the, the path or literally just like walk around with like a wheelbarrow full of stuff and just like whatever they, they got that they're selling, you papaya, cocos. And they'll just like go over and just, you know, do their thing and sell their cocos. So to see a foreigner doing that was hysterical in the eyes of everyone. So people were pointing and laughing and like, you know, like, oh, gringo cocos and like, <laughs> going, like go, it, it was, it was funny. So I'm like about to collapse. I'm almost there. I end up like hiring some like homeboy on the path, like just give him some cue and he helps me and he's exhausted. And we finally get there. As we arrive, I see my friends already done. Alberto, the actual Coco Man, has already arrived without my help whatsoever. I was totally not useful in this situation. Uh, have, they've already whacked, like hacked open the cocos. They've already done this labor intensive process. Like, and I realize that like, I just spent all this time and energy, <laughs> um, but it wasn't the right energy, right? It wasn't what I needed to be doing. What I needed to do was just go find Alberto. And it was a really beautiful moment of me realizing like, slow down, fully listen, fully receive and then act in a grounded way and mm. act with the appropriate action, not just not just a bold action. You know, I definitely have a history of <laughs> acting and sometimes reacting in a bold way. And it's definitely gotten me to some interesting situations uh, of all flavors. Though now, in this present season of my life, this idea of like really grounding. Mm. And um, the food service industry in a way has been that for me because it's been this like, consistent uh, source of income, this consistent opportunity to interact with people through this really intimate language, which is food, mm. and to do it in this medium of vegan organic food, which is something that is very near and dear to my heart, and to be a part of like these high-end, um, high-in-demand businesses that really are 
bringing in people in droves. Like the restaurants that I work for presently, uh, Fruitative and Elizabeth's Gone Raw are these like high in demand, like vegan restaurants. And to see that that hunger literally grow for plant-based organic food has been cool to be a part of. You know, for better or worse, it's it's been really cool to be a part of and grow with it. That's amazing. Times are changing. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a big plant-based movement right now. Feels good to be a part of it. Yeah, plants are delicious, everyone. Like you can make anything out of anything these days. Like we really can. And at the end of the day, people just want food that tastes good. And it's just a matter of understanding people's cravings and their palates and getting to know them and to make food that appeals to the to them individually. Do you have a favorite thing to make? Uh, it totally depends on the season. Okay. But. What about. Okay, actually, I'll let you answer. <laughs> what about. Or vegan desserts. They're healthy for you. Vegan cheesecake made out of cashews. You know what? It's interesting you say that because I'm I'm inspired to do some nice some vegan cheesecake, vegan cheesecake cashew style. Absolutely. So maybe maybe we we'll have like a little bit of lime. That'd be nice. And you know. Okay. When I was down when I was down on the lake, yeah, li <laughs> lime's important. Like it's some nice. Key Is it lime. like curdle or anything? No, no, it don't do that. See, it's better. That's yeah. why it's better because it doesn't get funky like dairy milk. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's better. <laughs> True. Amongst other reasons. Exactly. It's like the vegan desserts, they taste better. Like you were talking about that earlier, Mary, because it's pure ingredients. It's plants. Have you guys ever had olive oil cake? No. Can you, can you tell us about it? Olive oil cake? Well, yeah, seems intriguing. The Italian restaurant I work at has been replacing their dairy with olive oil. So I feel like that's something that you could experiment with. I'll, Sean. I'll experiment yeah. with it. I love olive oil. Yeah. What about foods this season? What are you ex excited to cook with this season? Okay. I want to make some really cool desserts. I want to make like awesome multi-layered peanut chocolate fudge. Oh. Maybe like in the shape of bugs, maybe. What? Like, so check it out. You can you make molds out of anything. Before the bugs. You can make molds out of anything. And one of the things I did with my friend Reese down on the lake is we made, similar to what I'm talking about, we made like, we call them love bugs. Okay, and they were like, imagine like like a ladybug, like made out of chocolate, like full of like dope peanut butter with like <gasps> sprouted like yeah. seeds in the peanut butter. That sounds amazing. It was delicious. Do you have dragonfly uh, shaped ones? We yes, we did have dragonfly Gale. ones. Really? We did. Gail, if you're listening, <laughs> dragonfly vegan desserts. And then also... And then yeah. also we down there we also made actually I would I would love to you know be inspired and recreate some of these recipes I think we need to do that we did these other ones that were similar molds but they were like little cute little key lime pies and we did it with it was fruit based so it was like avocado and this uh, this funky fruit that doesn't exist up here what's it called ah uh, it escapes me this mysterious fruit that was only in Guatemala. And we mix these fruit, two fruits together, and then we put a little bit of lime in there, and then we had the crust. It was things like, things that were sweet, like maple syrup, um, and like nuts, and maybe like a, like a multi-layered, like cute little like key lime, like fruit pie. Mm. And then you freeze it, and you take it out and enjoy it. It's late, but I'm getting hungry now, just talking about this. 
I mean, food's amazing. We could talk about this forever, fam. Well, I want to talk about the fire. I want to bring it back to that because let's talk about fire. You said that's your that's your main thing right now, and so I want to get a little bit deeper into that. What about fire captivates you, and why do you like to work with it so much? Well, it's just a central, you know, amazingly powerful elemental being, if you will, fire. You know, and as a movement artist and as a performer, when I first started experimenting with flow arts and fire, it just was this really beautiful aha moment of, oh, this is something that can really be a part of your life. And I just to be clear, I'm not always 100% focused on flow arts. I'm not. I've, with many of my interests in my life, it's totally been a roller coaster where this is true for all of my interests. There'll be periods in my life where I'm immensely focused on it. And there'll be periods in my life where I take breaks. And those breaks can last months sometimes or even longer. And it's just the way things have flown, mm-hmm. uh, flowed. And so I'm just interested to see how things will flow, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, over the past seven years, I would say in particular, um, like a little bit of backstory. I grew up in high school to do an ROTC, you know, like the officer reserve yeah, yeah, training corps, cadet corps. Cause I grew up like being prepared to go out to the military. I grew up in the military family. Were you air force? What was your regiment? Navy, Navy, Navy ROTC. Oh. And the reason why I bring it up is cause I was in the exhibition drill team. So I was like spinning the rifles and throwing the rifles. And that is where it started. This, this love of like object manipulation, like having an item, having an item to spin and express wow. myself with and throw. And that's why, like, to this day, I love spinning and throwing really, really high and really fast. Because <laughs> that's where it comes from. Um, and then, so, when I started going to uh, burner parties and getting involved with the burner community here in D.C. And, like, letting there be, there's fire circles. And uh, there was a, a troupe called Dance of Fire that was uh, very influential for me uh, back in the day. And they invited me out to their events and were very uh, welcoming. And I just saw it as an opportunity, this beautiful nexus to like combine these elements that are very near and dear to my heart, things like movement arts, things like performing, um, and things like connecting with elements, all in one. And yeah, and there's been opportunities for me to perform with fire in theater productions that I've been involved with in, and that's been really gratifying to like mix those two mediums. And I would love there to be more and there are other amazingly talented artists in this community also doing other similar things, incorporating fire into uh, theater. And it will be really interesting to see if what the place is for that. Because there's definitely a bit of a taboo <laughs> of fire in theater. So it's definitely something that has to be navigated carefully. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, it's a matter of like really understanding your environment and understanding what the essential risks are and doing everything you can to mitigate that risk. Be aware of your environment. Yes. <laughs> make sure make sure stuff's not flammable around you. And so my connection, like with Meta, initially was, why don't you come fire spin at our event? And I did. And it was uh, a beginning moment of me realizing that, like, oh, this is an organization I could do many things with and really grow with. Uh, but it really did start with fire. And because fire is this exciting, like, element, like, of course I'm attracted to it. And of course, I want to dance with it, like, because it's this amazing, essential, like, almost otherworldly, but not very much of this world, 
like magical element. And there's so many beautiful stories about how fire came into this world. And I recommend everyone going and searching them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, fire is yeah. elemental. It's been around for... We have a candle burning right next ever. to us right now. Dylan's so playing with people it. People talk about the sacredness or, like, divinity of fire. Mm. Could you talk a little bit about that? I could talk about what it means to me. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I mean. There are some really beautiful traditions uh, like a vedic fire ceremony tradition for instance comes to mind but i'm not an expert on any of those things mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'll talk about what fire means to me spiritually personally i've had some really beautiful cathartic moments um, doing personal rituals with fire like writing that things down on pieces of paper like this is a ritual that i did a few years ago at a intentional new year's gathering where I had everyone write down something that they want to let go from last year, something that they're grateful for, for, and something that they are looking forward to really following through upon, you know, in the coming year. And letting them uh, have individual moments with those three different things, three separate pieces of paper, and throwing them into the fire. And letting the fire be a form of destruction, but also creation, too. Because they're, you know, the first thing that they mm-hmm. they're they're letting go, but then the other things are being inspired and they're building with the fire too. Yeah, uh, it's like the phoenix. Yeah, and I've had I've definitely had some really intense private moments with you know fires, with me standing on top of some mountaintops, me standing in forests and just building a small campfire and burning things like sometimes burning personal possessions that I feel like no longer serve me or maybe that I'm attaching emotional. Um, heaviness towards and it's really just time to let it go uh, yeah I've burned several things <laughs> in my life with Sounds the intention like <laughs> with the intention I mean many things let's be real I've burned many things in my life in like these personal ceremonies that I'm talking about do you regret burning anything hmm. is there anything you've burnt that you wish you had back You know, I have burnt some things from past lovers. And a part of that is me wanting to honor the experience I have with them. And it speaks to why I held on to these things for so long. But then also to like letting it be a part of my transformation, my growth, and my movement forward. And I think it goes back to this idea that fire is also is just as creative as it is destructive. And the duality of that is fascinating and intoxicating and much like fire. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really similar to Burning Man and the idea behind what, I mean, it it sounds very similar. Yeah. And I feel like you discovered that on your own, it sounds like. I mean, in a way, I mean, definitely inspired by burning culture. Like, I've been to small regional burns and transformative festivals of all sorts and, like, little mini micro burns, flow festivals. When did you start going to festivals? Early 20s. Okay. Um, yeah, calm. I definitely had, I, I, I was recently out of the Navy and I was, you know, early 20s, diving back into life in your DC. I'm an artist. Fuck the man. <laughs> I'm here to express myself. Uh, and the part of that was 
started going to festivals. And one of the first ones was this one called Dome Fest. It was put on primarily by this group called Pigeons Playing Ping Pong. Yes. And um, I met Shout some out. really amazing humans there. Papadozio, back in the day, yeah. headlined this festival. Back when Papadozio still would headline like a tiny festival. Um, and they, actually, both Dome Fest and Pigeons and Playing Ping Pong have really grown in years since. Tremendously. Tremendously. Um, as well as Papadozio, well Papa of course. And also um, a beautiful band called Deaf Scene I met there, who I love. And everyone should go check out their stuff because it's beautiful layered music. And uh-huh. it, it definitely started there, this understanding that festivals are this amazing ground for connection, for collaboration, for like everyone coming together to create this thing collectively. And like having a safe space to like take certain types of medicine and yeah. like feel like I could be safe there and explore. And I'm so grateful to that experience actually in particular because it really opened my eyes in many regards. And when did you know that you wanted to get involved with events? Hmm. Like more so than just performing at them? Yeah, more so than just performing at them. Yeah. More like like being like involved in the coordination. Is that where you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. I feel like after being involved in so many different uh, performances where other people were the ones who were the main facilitators in terms of logistics and decision making, after a certain point, I wanted to be more involved in that. I wanted to be more involved in the planning and logistics because, you know, I definitely have like strong instincts about certain things and I want to find the right avenues to express those instincts. And I'm just I'm really grateful to this collaboration, this like natural marriage of Meta, how I started as a couple of years ago as a fire performer and then a workshop presenter. And it's really just evolved this naturally co-producing relationship where I can use all these different talents and different connections and friendships that I have and can bring this all together. And we all, we're all doing this together. Like it's not just me and it's everyone. And we could do this together and create these really special events. And I would say I was already like hosting the occasional like potluck. I was already um, like hosting the occasional like intentional gathering. Um, I I brought up earlier this one intentional gathering a few years ago uh, that my friend Monica Del Mundo, who's a beautiful human, I co-facilitated this intentional New Year's gathering with her. So there's always been this desire and I feel like it's really been heightened over the past like four years. And in the past two years in particular, like with Meta, there's been more opportunities to do that. And we've done it. We've had some wild, amazing experiences. <laughs> Haven't we, fam? <laughs> and let's just keep doing it. <laughs> let's just keep facilitating magic together. So what about it? Like, I, see, this is something that we always talk about. Um, if, if we need like someone to do media or someone to get involved with food or something, hospitality, whatever, anything instead of saying, hey, we have a position open and we need somebody to do this, we naturally let those people approach us, the people that are really about it, about it. They come and they stay late. They show up early, they stay late, and they talk to us about getting involved. And when, and when they do, you know, Dylan and I ask those people what they enjoy doing, truly. And, and I want to know what about connecting community. You already mentioned a lot of things, but like, what do you what really fires you up and what are you most passionate about within the realm of connecting people through in-person experiences co-facilitating spaces for 
creative exploration. And that's purposely vague, y'all. So that can mean lots of different things through music, through art, through movement. You know, we talked about Mindful Monkey workshop earlier, and so much of that is about integrating these different things, these different movement forms, different music, different medicines, you know, like being an alchemist in a way, you know, playing around with these different elements and creating an, uh, an experience that's engaging and interesting and playful, but also challenging. Also really challenges people in a way and things that we're talking about, like focusing on becoming a no waste organization. Yeah. And that's, that's hard in this modern commercialized world fam but like it is something worth focusing on and you know events and festivals create so much trash so mindlessly in many cases and i work in the food service industry and so much trash is created so mindlessly and we could do better like we we can make the adjustments and i want to be a part of that yeah Sha, we really really admire how you are really reverse engineering this idea of sustainability and you know i think taking it and going backwards and figuring out like do we even need to put things in the plastic bags there was a time I, where we we used containers that were all natural <laughs> you know you know not that long ago it was glass and tin before that it was wood and metal and like there were so many different you can make anything out of anything y'all <laughs> So let's just make things that are just more, let's just use things and reuse things that are just more in harmony with the planet. So what inspires you to keep on going with your sustainable efforts and your, you know, I think for a lot of us, especially for me, it gets hard. Okay? I, for me, it really does get hard sometimes to continually do the hard work of bringing our own utensils. And so we want to know what inspires you to stick with it. Well, I don't always. And when I don't, I have this reaction. And inside it's, I don't want to say it's too much of guilt. It's a little bit of guilt. <laughs> but because uh, I care, I do care. And like, you know, it's one thing to say I want to live a harmonious relationship with my planet, but it's another thing to actually do it. And it's challenging. And, but I feel like there's definitely something to be said about reconnecting with the natural world, starting a garden taking nature walks, you know, going on trips to beautiful, uh, remote natural areas and just drinking in the natural wonders of the world. And doing those things is what makes me want to be more about it, you know, and not just, you know, walk the walk, not just talk it. And, you know, we were over at my apartment earlier and like you said, where's your compost? And like I said there, and then you threw, I told you the Davis to throw a receipt in there and you were like, oh, you can't put that in there. And, you know, and it was just kind of this moment like I'm trying, but you know, that's true. Like we're trying and we're like, and the part of trying is messing up and the part of learning is messing up and learning from those mistakes. And I'm inspired now to go back to my house and like really get about my organization of my, my waste uh, disposal methods, my, my methodology, and like really get that down lock and really zen out my space. Yeah. So thank you. Well, Shaw, this has been really, really amazing. And uh, I think everyone listening would love to learn about how they can support you and where they can support you. So 
what's somewhere that people can find you online if that's where you want to be found? I know that you sometimes go off the grid, so I have to share with people what you're... On occasion, I do like, I do love to not have a phone and just live life without that. But for the time being, I am accessible. So let's meet in person. Like I'll be at Creative Labs this Friday doing all sorts of things and co-producing this beautiful event with Creative Labs, which is really beautiful, funky, do-it-yourself art space in Baltimore around Hampton. And so many different artists are in residence there of every flavor, flow artists, visual artists, musicians, uh, people that make art out of trash. And it's a really beautiful, interesting, unique space to come and bring meta energy into and see what we can create together with this organization. We love them so much. They produced the domes and we're absolutely integral in so many, in almost every way to, in every way, <laughs> to having the domes with us at Catharsis. We're so grateful to them and thank you. Uh, we wouldn't have had the camp that we did, which was a very special place without them. And yeah, we yeah. were really looking forward to this collaboration with creative labs and seeing where it can go so I mean, come see me this friday <laughs> connect me this friday yeah, of course you can hit me up online you know plant-based pirate uh, on instagram and you know hit me up on facebook i love to host events and send people event invites to events worth going to you have a really cool page too performing artist page i do have a performing yes. artist page you can see a lot of uh, interesting photos of me all body painted yeah and fire. it's tight we're yeah. gonna put the links down below <laughs> we like to do three links so we're going to hook you up, man. Make sure you get oh, connected. That magical number three. Yes, dude. So, yeah, as always, we're the Meta Makers. And if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing, you can go on to our website. It's metacreative.world. It's two T's. So, M-E-T-T-A, creative.world. This has been an episode of the Meta Makers podcast. Collaborative arts, inspiring sustainability. Thanks, Shah. And thanks for listening. Good night, everyone.